raise our hands right now oh Lord I love you I praise you thank you for giving us this day thank you for the beautiful day you have given us we will rejoice and be glad in this day Lord I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you will come and move in this place let your spirit move upon every man and woman and boy and girl I pray right now for the needs that are in this congregation Lord, you know every need, God, whether it's from sickness, Lord, or, or a financial need, whatever it might be, I pray, Lord, that you will come and meet those needs. We know that you indeed are our healer and deliverer, and we stand upon your word here today. We love you, Lord. Touch the children's ministry. Touch the youth ministry today. And, Lord, let your Holy Ghost just be poured out upon all flesh this greater Rockford area. We love you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone say amen. Amen. Welcome to Firstborn as our ushers come at this time. We're so thankful that you are here this afternoon ready to worship the Lord and praise His wonderful name. God bless our, our ushers as they wait upon us this afternoon for our Sunday tithe and offering. Amen. In Jesus' name, bless this offering. Amen. God bless you as you give here this morning. We are so thankful you have joined us at Firstborn Ministries. There's not a mountain too tall.
stop working Lord you never stop working I'm glad he never stops working how about you amen amen God bless you you may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord thank you musicians and singers again great job appreciate each and every one of you and the great job that you're doing and the worship and the music amen Amen. Having said that, we want to thank all of our volunteers that make our services, our two services, uh, so good. Uh, we're able to do these services because of the volunteers, because of you. Uh, we have many that uh, are here, and they, they work at hostessing, ushering, greeters, cleaning, sanitizing. Um, and if we did not have all of you to be able to do that, helping us, uh, we would not be able to have these two services. The Sunday school staff as well, yeah. Yeah. So so thank you for doing that. And uh, so having said that, we need some more help, all right? And so why don't you consider coming and working one of the services somewhere and then attending the second service, whether it's you come the first service and you uh, and you work, and then you, then you attend the second service, that would be such a blessing. You say, well, why do I want to get up early? Because it'd be such a blessing. <laughs> Amen. And so if, if you would like to do that, we would certainly love to be able to uh, have you do that. In fact, I announced this in the first service, and I had somebody after service say, hey, I want to help next week. And so they'll be calling the office, Sister McKay, to uh, be able to talk with you so that uh, they can get placed where they needed to be. Uh, we also wanted to uh, ask you to please help us with uh, to keep distraction down outside. Uh, for right now, we're having to have Sunday school children's ministries out in the open area uh, for now. And so sometimes that can be distracting when people go out there and they talk or they visit uh, while they're trying to have Sunday school. And so we would ask you, please just, just come in here and be a part of the service. And so if you need to talk, uh, if you would go outside and do that. Um, and then also, uh, we sanitize between services, and so they're out there they're sanitizing the chairs and making sure everything's ready for the second group of children that are coming in there. And so I'd ask those of you, actually, 
this wouldn't pertain to you. I did say to the early church, but if you come to the early service uh, and you stay for the second service, we would ask that you don't go out there, uh, don't eat out there because they've already sanitized, and that kind of defeats the purpose. Uh, if you need to use a restroom, we have the restrooms right here off of the sanctuary, and then we're asking you to, to exit and enter through the sanctuary doors or the hall uh, doors as well. And so if you would continue to help us with that, thank God we have not had any outbreaks of uh, the virus within our church. Thank God for that. Amen. And so uh, we are, we're happy about that, and uh, you know that uh, uh, some of the churches have had not have that, and uh, Many times the media gets a hold of it. They say, see, that's why you should not be going to church. Well, I disagree, amen, very strongly. We are here, and we're going to do our best to do what's, what we can to make sure everybody's safe. Amen. So thank God for that. All right, so continue to do that, and we'll get through this together. Amen. I got some good news. Anybody want to hear any good news? Want to hear some good news? If so, look up here and smile, all right? We used to sing the song, Smile a While and Give Your Face a Rest. Amen. I won't do that this morning. But uh, on September the 9th, everybody say September the 9th. We are going to resume our midweek services on Wednesday night, September the 9th. All right. And so uh, you say, were we going to have to sign up for that? No, no, you don't need to sign up. However, if we have 300 people show up at that Wednesday night service, we're going to have to sign up. All right. <laughs> But uh, go ahead and come on, and you'll not want to miss this. Uh, it'll be something special, something different. Uh, you won't want to miss that Sunday night of that, or that Wednesday night service that we're going to have, all right? Amen. And so uh, next Sunday, another uh, good thing that we're doing, next Sunday there will be only one service on Sunday morning. Everybody's going to be coming together on this next Sunday morning. We are going to have a time in the Holy Ghost. Anybody happy about that? However, it's going to be in the parking lot. All right, so bring your own chair, and we want everybody to come, and uh, there'll be a spot just on the other side of the, uh, of the carport where everybody's going to be able to be seated. And uh, so we'll have a great time. It's Labor Day weekend, and uh, so that service will be at 9.30. So uh, those of us that come to the 11.30 service are going to have to wake up a little bit earlier, all right? So if you need us to give you a wake-up call, we'll do that. Amen. But uh, looking forward to that. All right. We got that all out of the way. And I don't feel like we've killed any of the spirit here. Everybody still feel the Holy Ghost in this place? All right. Amen. So proud. The, our early service, we had Brother Gillen Swan that spoke, did a tremendous job, preached a wonderful message in the early service. And today we are blessed to be able to have Brother Kyle Montgomery. Uh, he's going to come and he's going to share the word of God with us today. God bless you, Brother Kyle. everybody. I, uh, great day. Happy to be here. I want to thank our pastors for allowing me this opportunity. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was, I was given this opportunity to, um, to take this position from the Lord. And um, more money, more everything. called my pastors, I was like, hey, can you pray with me? And uh, the next day I called uh, Brother Nathan, I was like, you know what, I don't want to miss this because God is good. So I want to thank them for being there, a voice in my life where we can say, hey, they have veto power in my life, they shouldn't be here. And um, I said that to say thank you. You guys have been great to our family, and um, it's just a blessing to be back in Rockford, my hometown, and where I grew up. And a lot of these, some of you people, like Tanya, know me from from when I was a baby. So some of you know who I am. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. But... Um, if we could stand for the word, that'd be great. Uh, 1 Samuel 4, 16. 
We'll start there. And the man said unto Eli, I am he that came out of the army. And I fled today out of the army. And he said, What is done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines. And that... And there hath been also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And the ark of God is taken. And it came to pass that when he made mention of the ark, that he fell from his seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck brake. And he died, for he was an old man, and he was heavy. So I probably would have died. So... Um, and he judged Israel forty years. And his daughter-in-law, Phinehas' wife, was with child near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself in travail, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the woman that stood by her said, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. And she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she, she said, name this child Ichabod, saying the glory is departed from Israel, because the ark of God is taken, and because of the father-in-law and her husband. And she said, the glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. Maybe see the As we read in the first, this passage of 1 Samuel chapter 4, we find that Israel has fallen into disarray and corruption. And Eli the priest had allowed his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, to continue in their wicked ways. God has sent prophecies concerning Eli's sons and Israel and did not heed the words. Soon he, he would see them come to pass. Sometimes it's kind of like how we are. We get prophecies in our lives, and our pastor says something to us. You know what? I don't like that, so maybe I'll just not heed that one right now. That one wasn't for me. Or Brother Anthony gets up here and preaches a great message, tears down the roof, and you know what? I just didn't feel that one, Anthony. I'm sorry. That one's not for me. So you disregard it. See, the Israelites were battling against the Philistines and were defeated, losing about 4,000 men. As the, as the men returned from battle, the elders began to question God and, and allowed, why had he allowed them to suffer? They knew that God was there before, and so they just assumed, there you go, assuming, careful on that word. Let's not assume that God's just going to be there. Sometimes we have to get ourselves out of our, out of our way. And assume his favor would stay with them no matter what. With this in mind, they made a plan to uh, take the Ark of the Covenant into battle. And time and time before, that has is, that is proven to them that, that that has helped. That the Ark of the Covenant was, was the Spirit of God and, and would, would, would come and save them. But never did they stop and seek God's direction. Never did they consider that they were being led by corrupt men. So they decided to parade the ark through the battlefield as it was some magical power, that some unicorn, you know, that was just going to allow them to go into battle and just defeat the enemy. They tried to use this, try to use God and say, hey, we need you now. They try to choose and to pick when they need God. The wickedness of Israel had finally reached the limit. And God allowed the Philistines to defeat them like never before. That day they lost 30,000 men. Hophni and Phinehas, the, son the sons of Eli. The Ark of the Covenant, the glory of God was stolen by the Philistines as the spoils of battle. News of the defeat traveled, traveled to Shiloh. Eli was very old at this time, just waiting for news, just hearing the cries of the city. And Eli asked the messenger, what happened? The messenger told Eli of his son's death and the ark being captured by the Philistines. The overwhelming grief flooded Eli. He fell back off his seat 
and he broke his neck and killed him. At the same time, Phineas' wife, who was pregnant, hears of her son, of her husband's death and the missing ark. Anguish comes over her. Her cries quickly become labor pains. She clearly does not have the, a normal labor and delivery. Well, neither did my wife. Hers was like, one of them was like 24 hours long, so, but she didn't die. <laughs> thank God. Because otherwise, like, these kids by myself, oh my goodness. Could you see me as a single father? Absolutely not. However, before she dies, her nurse lets her know that she has delivered a son, leaving one last mark on the world and forever branding her son. She tells them to name him Ichabod for the glory of Israel has left this is kind of where my imagination starts to wonder a little bit did she die because of the physical reasons due to giving birth I'm you know I've never had birth so I wouldn't know what that felt like and I assume it's very painful <laughs> and my assumption is probably right since I cry when I have a cold but that's neither here nor there. But did she die just because of the physical reasons, or did she die simply, or did she simply lose the will to live? Her situation seemed dire and incomprehensible to most of us. She went from being married to one of the most influential men in the land to being widowed, losing her father-in-law, being faced with the frailty of the kingdom. And the most, and most importantly, living life knowing that the Ark of the Covenant was in the enemy's hands. She doesn't die peacefully. She doesn't give her son a name to remind him of her or one that would seemingly, dest would seemingly destine him for greatness. No, instead she marks her son with a name that will forever be reminded of the turmoil of his very first day. So I'm not a mom, obviously, but I understand, I, I don't really fully understand the bond between a mother and the child in the womb. I, I will never feel that. I'll never wit be a witness to that. But I am a father, and I know how important names are to children. Kids can be cruel. Kids can be mean. Not only that, parent or other, other people can be mean. Grown-ups can be cruel. Like, what kind of name is that? No matter how many times I think about this portion of Scripture, I cannot imagine giving a child a name like that. We know that during these times, names had meaning. Names had importance. In everyday life, than they do now. It, it prepared the child in their life for their career and how other people would view them a mother's last dying breath and she forever brands him with the shame by naming him the glory is departed from Israel where is the instinct to protect him where are the prayers from God or for, for God to sweep in and save him and the people of Israel where is the fight to hope for a better future for him than what he just came from why name a child that will forever serve as a reminder of Israel's darkest day? His parents are gone. His grandfather is gone. His uncle is gone. And he must now bear the weight of their choices. How many times was, was Ichabod shunned for being Phineas's kid? His father stole from them. And he brought wickedness upon children of Israel. And now everyone will be forever minded of his father's sin. There's Ichabod. You remember what his dad did? You remember what his grandfather did? How many, how many would now look on Ichabod with disdain? See, he had no saying in the matter. He didn't choose his parents. He didn't choose his grandparents. And he didn't choose his name. 
He was simply born into it. So I started investigating and, you know, as most preachers look, you know, what else can I bring about this? You don't, you don't see much about Ichabod in the Bible. But then I looked in 1 Samuel 14 and 3. And Ahiah, the son of the, whatever, Ahitub, sure. Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing ephod. So we know that he at least had a brother, so he didn't grow up completely alone. So that's, that's a good thing for him. His nephew was a priest, so there's possibility that Ichabod continued in the family business and, and possibly a, a priest himself. Um, but I assume that he may have had been considered a man of significance. In those days, um, so I really think he, he must have been something. Because just based on who his nephew was, there has to be a reason the writer, said, writer would introduce a priest as they did in 1 Samuel. And for Ichabod to be specifically named. Ichabod had a great choice. He could either live with the, with the shame brought to him because of his family choices. Or he could learn from it and choose differently. And the same choices we have every single day. Shame will come to us and threaten to take us down no matter what. It's inevitable that, that this unseen foe affects each and every one of us. But it's how we handle is the key. Shame is a lie of, I'm wrong. It's different than from guilt, which says, I did wrong. Like Ichabod, we have choice to make every day. Whether the past is filled from choices from our own making or those we don't have any control over. We must make a choice in what we do with the guilt and shame associated with it. It's not something that we can brush underneath the rug and pretend that it's not there. We must choose because shame can only be ignored for so long before it comes out in some way, shape, or form. Like Ichabod, people will try to put labels on you because of our actions or because of the actions of others. Unfortunately, these Labels can be harsh. Unfortunately, people are, can, can be cruel and mean. These labels can often bring shame that we have no choice to own them or not. Did Ichabod cave to the label of his name? Or did he rise above it? Did he allow the perceptions of others to shape his life? Or was he able to claw his way out of, out of the humiliation that began on his very first day? I was, uh, I was 13 years old, and um, I grew up in this thing called UPC. I grew up in it. One year, I, when I was 13, I just got back, back from camp. I had this new calling on my life. I didn't know what to do with it, how to use it, you know, just like, what does that mean? Ever try to question God? What, what? What do you want me to do? You want me to do what? I could barely talk in front of people. I don't have any problems now, but kind of grew out of that. So I went to my pastor one time. He encouraged me, and he said something to me that I'll never forget. He said, study to show yourself approved. He didn't say no. He didn't say maybe. He said, study to show yourself approved. You know, I thought, you know, my 13-year-old brain, I, I thought I knew what that meant. But I guess I really didn't fully understand that. So for the rest of that summer, all I knew to do was read, study, and learn how to pray. During this time that, uh, that was all new to me and didn't know what to do with this, during the, that time, my parents were slipping out of the church. I was devastated. A lot of you know my parents, who they are. I was hurt. 
I became angry. I did what I could to get myself to church, whether it was calling Tim Gentry's grandparents. Yes, I'm old enough who, to know Tim Gentry's grandparents. Or I'd ask the Hickmans or the Beardsley to drive out of their way to pick me up. It became a point in my life where I felt like a burden. Has anybody felt like that before? You felt like a burden on people? Like, why am I here? It became a bother to them, it felt like. But that was just my shame and my guilt of what my parents did. So instead of being a bother, I stopped calling them. I grew resentful. I grew bitter. I started getting into arguments at school and got in a few fights. Then I got a job and fit like four, four, 15 years old. And I did whatever I could to be out of that house. Because I was so mad at them. Angry. I would call this job every day. Hey, can I come to work today? I'd just go sit in the break room. Just hang out. Kyle, you need to get to work? Okay, cool. Let's go. 13, 14, 15, mad at the world. Angry. I was ashamed that, that, that my parents would do this to me. Couldn't understand why they walked away from God. I was broken. And I couldn't do anything about it. When I got my license, I was like, you know what? I know where I need to be. So I went back to where I belonged. And I gave you that little sad story because it is sad to say this. Life's not fair. Some things are not your fault. Sometimes we're hit with such devastation, devastating events that we don't know if we'll ever be made whole. How is it? However, it's who we choose to be after the pain that truly matters. I know some, some of us here have been through some incredible pain. Hurts. We can either be the victim for the rest of our lives or we can be victorious. You choose. They don't choose. They don't have strongholds on you. Your past will not define your future. Drugs do not define you. Alcohol does not define you. Rape does not define you. Pornography does not define you. You are who God says you are. You can't escape your past. No matter what. It makes no difference how unfair this life has been. How badly you've been mistreated. How much you don't understand all the things that have happened to you. How many times have you, had, you, said, have you said why to God? And there was resounding silence in a response to your question. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made to this point. It doesn't matter what you've done up to, to this point. You can escape your past. Whatever we need to do to pull ourselves out of these circumstances. We need to stop acting like, oh, woe is me. My life is so bad. It's so terrible. You have no idea how Job felt. Zero. When his wife looked at him and said, why don't you curse God and, curse God and die? And he was, his response to her in Job 2 was, thou speakest as a foolish woman. Shall we not receive good at the hand of God and not receive evil? And then a few chapters later in Job 19.25, he says, For I know my Redeemer liveth. See, no matter what happened to Job, he lost his whole family. He lost all his money, all his cattle, everything. And yet the boss said something mad to me. 
I'm having a bad day. I can't find something nice to wear to church. I feel fat in this. Come on. Job lost everything. And he said, I know my Redeemer liveth. So maybe you've had a few difficulties. So maybe life hasn't gone your way. But your worst day has never come close to being bad as Ichabod's first day. Maybe violence, abuse, and addiction mark the milestones behind you. Maybe you came from an embarrassing situation that makes you just want to hide. Maybe your family is not the best. Maybe you tried time and time again to shake off the disdain of your life, but to no avail. Tragedy after tragedy, setback after setback. There is a God that wants to make you whole again. And he wants to put you back together. If, if, if God can help Ichabod recover from his past to the point of the priest of Israel would borrow dignity from his relationship with his uncle Ichabod, there's no doubt in my mind that you can recover too. If God can, can deliver Ichabod from his evil grandfather and father, he can deliver you out of the strongholds that has you bound to this point. Your past will not define your future. Whatever you must do to, to get a grip on your future, to climb over your past, to climb over your hurts, to climb over your family problems, your addictions, your pain, your history. See, God's not interested in your location. He is interested in your direction. Satan would love for you to fixate on where you are. God wants you to lift your eyes and see where you're going. If the Apostle Paul, with the vivid images of the Christian persecution, could climb over the murder of Stephen and against all the other, other crimes against Christianity, we would have never read in Philippians 3, Brethren, I count myself to not have apprehended, but for this one thing, I forget those things that are behind me. I forget those things that are behind me and reach forth unto those things which are before me. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be a walk in the park. As a 13-year-old boy, I didn't know where I was going to end up. Yeah, I have a great parent. I have great parents. I have a great family. I didn't know I'd be here on August 30th, 2020. You probably have a story like that too. You have hurts. You have pain. We have a God. We have a God that just wants to be the glue and to put your pieces back. It's not over for you. But if you press towards the mark, if you press towards Him, I can promise you, you can escape the hell that you've been going through for years. He's not finished with you. God's on our side. We're just saying about it. God is on our side. No matter how the silence is in your life, no matter you pray and pray and pray and time again and you don't hear anything from Him, you continue to pray. Continue to seek His face. No matter how silent He is, He did not do this to you. He allowed things to happen because he had the confidence in you to become better and not bitter. If you get involved in the if you get God involved in these, these circumstances, he will fix these. You can survive your past. 
but you will not survive bitterness. If you do not give it to God, you will never overcome the past and become the person that you were supposed to be. Why is that we have these strongholds? Whatever it is, get rid of it. Get rid of it because there's a God that is just reaching for you. He's reaching for you. And we just turn our backs just as if he was another man and not just a God that gave his life for us. What's it going to be, folks? Is it just going to be me because I want to be who I am? Or are we going to serve a God that gave his life for us? Oh, I'm just going to sit here on this pew, preacher. You can't move me. You can't do anything to me. I'm not trying to do anything to you, sir, ma'am. I'm trying to get you to realize that there's a God that wants to help you. And he will help you no matter what. doesn't matter what you did. doesn't matter who you cussed, who you did anything to. Pastor, I, I, I didn't, I didn't want, I had no plans of doing this. But if we could, if we could just raise our hands, every one of us, because I know the pain, I know the hurt, I have a past. Sometimes it didn't seem so easy for me, but I made a choice just like you need to make. Make that choice today. Make August 30th the day that you decided no more victim. No more. No more strongholds. Forget those things that are behind you. And search for those that are before you.
watching this online he loves you and he cares for you and he is rooting for you he is on your side and you can make it because he made it he made it he took the keys to the grave and to death to hell and we are able to make it today because of what he did on Calvary amen God bless you today thank you so much for coming to firstborn don't forget this next Sunday morning 9.30, the only service next Sunday, 9.30. We will see you then.